You started your own restaurant business because you love to cook. But that also means the greasy pots and pans keep coming in from all that great takeout business. And you can't waste time with endless sink changeovers. So it's time you upgraded to Dawn Professional Pot and Pan. Dawn Professional cleans 58% more pots and pans per sink than the leading competitor. Less dish soap, fewer changeovers, and more time doing what you love. Dawn Professional, it's clean, upgraded. This podcast is all about reinventing your takeout delivery and catering business with innovations and ideas that break the status quo. With over 40 years of restaurant, hospitality, and franchisee experience, hosts TJ Shire and Sam Stanovich will interview top industry leaders to help you advance your off-premise business to the next level. This is the Takeout Delivery and Catering Podcast. Well, good day, everyone, and welcome to the Takeout Delivery and Catering Show. Again, we are back. We have another exciting guest today. We are going to be talking about life-changing chicken. And before I get to our guest, this episode is going to define and talk about what life-changing chicken is all about. We're going to dive into food trucks and how adding food trucks can enhance your brand and how it worked during the pandemic. Uh, an interesting thing, we're going to talk about marketing transparency with third-party vendors. And as always, we love to get into our leadership and talk about why community matters. And today's episode, you may not know Lewis, but you're going to know the story. And I am super excited to have Mr. Lewis Rudd from Azell's Chicken out in the great Northwest and before I introduce Lewis, I want to thank you, sir, for your service to our country. Um, he is a veteran. He is an entrepreneur. He is a family leader. And he is bringing life-changing chicken to the great Pacific Northwest. So without further ado, I want to introduce Mr. Lewis Rudd to the Takeout Delivery and Catering Show. Welcome, Lewis. Well, thank you, Sam, for that great welcome. And uh, it's good to be here and uh, have an opportunity to share and tell more of the Ezel story, you know. And uh, I think we have a great story. We built somewhat of a great uh, brand and working on the legacy piece out here in the great Northwest. And uh, a lot of great stories to tell. A lot of great stories to tell. Well, Lewis, you are you are definitely an ambassador. You you volunteer your time in the community, volunteer your time with our industry. But for those listeners who aren't familiar with your background, can you introduce yourself and talk about Azels and give us the the overview? Okay. Well, you know, I'll start with first and foremost. I'm a family man, as you say. It's a family business. I'm uh, married to my wife, Jackie. We've been uh, together for 38 plus years now. Um, father of two daughters, two grandkids. My hobbies, I love cycling. I'm preparing for my 30th Seattle to Portland bike ride. It's a double century that's organized by Cascade Cycle. I'm excited about that. Been getting a lot of training miles in. I'm an avid skater. I like roller skating. That's where I met my wife uh, some 38 plus years ago, roller skating, doing a roller fashion show. And uh, 
that's a little bit about me personally, you know, but, um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Bike riding from, uh, that's a huge ride. Uh, what kind yeah. of bike do you ride? I've got a couple of bikes that I ride now. So my, uh, newest bike is a diamond back and, uh, it's a local manufacturer here. My favorite bike that I ride now is a specialized. Very nice. And, uh, r- both road bikes. And, um, I went out yesterday actually and got in a good 20 miles and just stand tuned up and ready for it. Awesome. Well, congratulations yeah. on the 37 years. More importantly, congratulations on the 38 years of marriage. Um, it's, yeah. it's always, especially working in a family business. We're going to talk a little bit about that later in the show, but yeah. for Azels, yeah. congratulations on 37 years and growing. Let's talk chicken. Yeah. You've had <laughs> many accolades, including, being Oprah's favorite chicken. You just shared with me that you got to serve magic and he loves your chicken. Uh, in 2012, Azelle's chicken was named life changing chicken. Please tell our audience about the chicken. Wow. Okay. So the dream began, um, back in East Texas with two childhood friends growing up, working at a place called Brown's fried chicken in Marshall, Texas. And um, over the years, we managed to keep the dream alive and bring the concept out here to the great Northwest. And the basic concept in the menu was always about freshness. And with that in mind, you know, I, I think it's important to share the vision, mission, and value statement, right? Because that's been really what the driving force behind building the brand has been. So we wanted to build a world-class brand, right? That was the vision to start out. And we could see having a national brand and how we were going to do that through our mission statement, uh, providing fresh, never frozen, high quality chicken served up with good homemade side dishes and fast, courteous service, fresh, good, and fast. That was our motto, you know? And, um, then at the very core of our values, our value statement is honesty, loyalty, and relationships. So we would have our um, team members daily and all managers meeting read the mission, vision, and value statement. Vision, mission, value statement. And again, that's been our beacon, our guiding light. And um, so when you talk about the chicken, and the fixings, fresh chicken, nice portions, peel the potatoes every day for the mashed potatoes and gravy, the potato salad, uh, the sweet potato pie is baked on the premises every day. Each location, we're up to 17 locations now. And, you know, creating a culture within where it's been easy to transfer that, right? And getting each location where the team every day peel the potatoes, bake the pies, bake the rolls. The rolls are made from scratch each day, baked fresh daily. Uh, The mac and cheese made fresh daily. Each location, the baked beans, barbecue baked beans, uh, people come in and they smell the aroma. And for years, we would hear people just constantly say how much they love these elves. We love Ezels. And when asked, what is it about Ezels that you really love? It's just we love the food. 
And at some point, we just began a slogan. And at some point, one of the uh, team members had a T-shirt with, we put love in the chicken, right? (laughs) (laughs) But uh, that's what it was. It's just, you know, um, the freshness, the quality, and always offering a great value proposition for the guests. We've had people ask us, well, why don't you guys use a smaller bird? No. Why don't you use a frozen bird? You could save money. No. It's always been about quality, that world-class brand that can transition from the Northwest to the Northeast to the Deep South, you know, and uh, people would love it. You know, that's that's a, 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 some great nuggets there. And you talk about how your brand is really a scratch kitchen. I mean, you're making th- things like the bread, like the cobbler, yeah. the beans, how are you ensuring, especially as you go to build this out and looking in the future, that you're going to ensure quality because some of it, so much of it is done locally? And, and how is that uh, going to play into it? Well, again, it's transferring the culture, right? Okay. You know, and there's a saying that one can move into a different community, right? And they will adapt the culture. Very rarely will an individual change a community that it would move into. So that's what we've done a great job at creating a culture. So whether we move it to Oregon or California or wherever, it's transferring the culture. And people will adapt to that. And so when you walk into a Nizel's restaurant, the equipment speaks loud to freshness. There's an oven where the rolls are baked. It's not a cabinet where bread is stored, right? There are potato pillars around, processing the chicken, taking the fatty content off of it. But teaching uh, the staff, the team members, the value of doing that. So each piece of chicken that comes in is handled twice before it's breaded and cooked. The fatty substance is taken off of it, it's clean. And then for the spicy chicken, it's marinated to give that flavor, right, down to the bone. So we put a little cayenne pepper in the uh, breading to give a little ting for the tongue. But then that New Orleans-style Creole seasoning gives that flavor down to the bone. And once, you know, the staff, the team members have it, they don't want it any other way. You know, it's like... I'm going to give it to you like I like it. (laughs) So again, the consistency is based upon the culture. And so we're not concerned about that. And it's worked well here in the Northwest. We opened up a store down in Tigard, Oregon, and the first one out of uh, state that we opened up in the Northwest. And it's doing very well. And we've got people that have commuted from Oregon to Washington, and they are very familiar with the product. And they say, man, it's just like I had it when I was in Seattle. And we love hearing that. So it can be done. And, and as a founder, that's very important that you have that consistency and quality. And, and, and I think it warms your heart when a customer tells you it's the same wherever they go. Yes. You know, many of our listeners are small business owners as well and uh, family operators. Um, I run a, a restaurant with my wife. What are the keys to success that you can share for being a 37-year-old business? Well, family first, right? So family will always be 
great assets, great ambassadors. And of course, it's always going to be emotions as part of the process of handling business. So for us, um, it was two sets of brothers and my sister Faye are the founders for Ezels. And then it's 10 siblings in my family, five guys, five girls. And of the 10 of us, nine have actively worked within the business from managing stores to uh, participating in marketing, administrative assistant. My elder sister, who likes to be um, identified as uh, firstborn, not the oldest, firstborn. She's uh, an a, uh, administrative assistant to my sister Faye, the co-founder, right? And my older brother Wayne uh, manages and operates the flagship store. My brother Darnell, co-founder, um, who's all around, and nephews, nieces, my granddaughter, my grandniece works within the company now. We've all participated. And in meetings, it can be very challenging sometimes to focus on policy and procedures when emotions are high. My wife, Jackie, does uh, the catering. So we're all involved and engaged. I used to send weekly articles on uh, challenges running a family-owned business so that the family members that are participating in the business could read what I'm reading and understand that we're not the only ones faced with the challenges that we are faced with in running a family-owned business. As a follow-up to that, when family members disagree, how do you guys handle the conflict and resolution? I mean, at, at some some point, there's got to be that ultimate decision maker, right? Yes. And I have been that person in more cases than not. But the one thing that we did, and it was a great advantage and a great value added, from the beginning, we've always had board members, right, from year one. Oh. Initially, it was an advisory board. Okay. And it was a volunteer advisory board of a couple of uh, community members. Mark Abrams out in Philly now. Mark was with uh, New York Life Insurance at the time. And he became an advisor. Okay. To the family. And having a structure, right, that's scalable has always been a focus for us. So having an accounting, having a legal team that you can always go to when there's challenges is always helpful. Okay. And from the beginning, again, that uh, got the guiding principles to build a world-class brand, right? That means having a structure that has systems and standards that's scalable. So we always go back to that and reading the mission statement, reading the vision statement. And, you know, we do have our emotional challenges, but we have to get back to business at some point. And it's not always easy. It's not always been, you know, everyone on the same page and happy at Thanksgiving time. And we can give a lot of credit to our mom. We never wanted my dad to see us all unhappy with each other and feuding with each other, you know, during Thanksgiving or Christmas holidays. 
Well, and I, and I think you bring up two great points there and commend you for, for thinking outside the family with having an advisory group, right, that can take the emotional, and I love how you say that, the emotional piece out because there are emotions in families. Yeah. And really focusing in on that structure and, and for you to go out and find those articles and education and share that, right? Yes. Share those experiences. So outside of that heat of the emotional debate, they can review that and think about it and, and, mm-hmm. and look forward for those uh, tokens and nuggets in there to help help move it forward. That, that's some great advice for, for our listeners because we definitely work through those family business situations all the time. Yeah. Um, pivoting, you guys did something early earlier on where you got into food trucks. Mm-hmm. And not only are food trucks great marketing, but they're a great uh, opportunity for expansion. Can you tell us about that strategy of adding food trucks to the brand and the and the growth using the food truck? Well, the food truck idea came from my uh, nephew, my niece, and daughter. Okay. And they call themselves the next generation taking it mobile. So as you say, it's definitely uh, a great marketing tool. It's a great way to introduce the product. Of course, it has an express menu. It doesn't have the full in-store menu that you would find at the restaurant. But the fresh homemade rolls, the uh, fresh chicken tenders um, with some fries and Every once in a while, they do some special items like the peach cobbler for dessert. They would serve that up, not on all occasions, for weddings or special events where they're posted up for a weekend or so, or they can plan in advance. They can get some of the side dishes to offer up as well. But yes, it's definitely an advantage having the food truck roaming around out there. And um, again, you know, um, an opportunity for family to add value, for family to participate, for family to learn. And um, so it's been multiple ways that having the food truck has added value to the brand. Uh, concessions for Seahawk games, for the uh, 4th of July events, where we get new guests all the time that has an opportunity to try the chicken for the first time and spread the word. So yes, definitely an advantage for having food trucks out there rolling around. With the pandemic and and the closure of restaurants, was the food truck out more in the communities? Was that something that you were able to mobilize and leverage during the shutdown? No, actually not. No? Um, Here in Seattle, unlike, you know, some other parts of the country, we only get three, four months out of the year where you've got nice sunny days where people gather outside, right? Okay. And because of the shelter at home uh, policy, it was not a lot of activity where people were gathering in large gatherings. And there were some communities where there would be, um, where there was apartment buildings or some communities where uh, the homeowner association would call up and say, can you bring a truck and park in our neighborhood? And the people from the neighborhood would go out and visit trucks. That didn't work as well for Felicia and Jennifer, uh, my niece and uh, daughter that uh, operated the food truck. And so they decided to just kind of put it on hold. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it was certain events that they would do, but it wasn't really busy for them. And I noticed that was true for a lot of food trucks that shared the commissary that they did. Okay. I mean, that's it. You know, different parts of the country respond differently. And it, and it's yes. good that they, they, they tested it. It didn't work mm. and they pivoted. And yeah. is the food now with uh, the lifting, is the food pet truck back out on the streets? Well, they're looking to get back into a schedule okay. um, of activities starting uh, next month, actually, in May. And uh, they're actually looking at uh, one of the uh, military bases out here, maybe becoming more permanent. Oh, wow. That'd be yeah. a great add-on. Mm-hmm. And, and longer term, as you expanded into Oregon, and, and we know we you, you're building a world-class brand that can that transform across the country, are you seeing other expansion and or are you looking at opportunities in the ghost and dark kitchen area? You know, I've had conversations around um, ghost kitchens and dark kitchens or what, what have you. For example, if we were to look at moving into a new market, we may consider uh, participating with the ghost kitchen for delivery service, right? To uh, introduce the product that way. And as you mentioned, the food truck in in combination with uh, introducing the food truck into that market first, and then uh, having a ghost kitchen to kind of support and back up the food truck. I think that could be an idea that uh, or an opportunity that could work well for us in introducing the product into a new market. Yes. You know, we, we hear a lot of the, about that and I, I think that's a great strategy. Now, now, as you talked about the third party, you guys work with DoorDash, correct? Yes. Yes. And, and I thought it was uh, fascinating that you took the stand and you shared all the fees and costs associated with DoorDash transparently on the website. Um, what, what, that's quite different than what we've seen from a lot of other brands. What was the reasoning behind that? And it, and has it helped, uh, deliver more business because the consumer can, can see and understand the transparency? Well, as much as, you know, I would like to take credit for doing something great in that capacity or in that area. I, you know, I think that's just a standard, um, procedure that uh, is displayed. And of course, transparency is one of the things that we value, you know, again, honesty, loyalty, relationships, Mm -hmm. you have to be transparent in relationships. And so we've had no challenge with sharing that information. And uh, we have a great partnership with DoorDash. It's worked very well for us. It's been evolving. And We've gone back to the table and renegotiated and renegotiated and asked for changes. And so far, you know, it's been a great partnership. And um, there are, you know, these fees that I think it's important that the guests understand that it comes at a cost. You know, I think there's a perception out there that this is a service that's, um, for lack of a better word, that you know, we the companies can afford to do this, right? And the restaurants are benefiting greatly by having this third-party delivery company coming in and no fees, some fees to the guests, but not total. And then um, at some point, there's an understanding that there's a cost associated with that. And I think displaying these fees and the costs up front so that everyone understands this is not free. 
You know, it costs for that driver. It costs for the dispatch service. There's a cost for the store to have the uh, online uh, capacity to receive the orders through tablets and upgrading the POS system. All these costs are involved in being able to provide that service to the guests. And I just think it's important that there is transparency. You know, and it's, it's, you're, you're living your values, right? You're, you're being transparent with your customer and, and mm-hmm. you're showing what it is and, and there's, there's nothing to hide, right? If we have no. that open and honest conversation, people know why they have to pay the premium uh, to get it delivered. And, and, and kudos to you guys for, for living that value and, and stepping up like that. But uh, I think Lewis, that really just walks us right into how community orientated is is. I mean, it, it appears from day one, you have been community focused, your relationships, um, you know, you've got some fun relationships with the Sonics and Seahawks. Yeah. I see that you're a diehard Seahawks fan. A lot of the pictures you have, you've got your, your Seahawks gear on. Yeah. Can you share how these community partnerships have helped the business? Well, you know, from day one, we've always been very active in the community and not necessarily looking for a return on the investment in the community, but feeling that it's our duty, right? To give back and to add value. And early on, you know, we had this policy, you don't throw food away. There's too many hungry people out there to throw food away. So we would find the nearest church or the nearest um, food bank or organization such as the Central Area Youth Program. At night, they'd have kids in there um, learning music programs or learning what have you, or just activities, staying out of the streets, and uh, they could come in and have a place to go. We'd take the food there, or someone from the uh, Central Area Motivation Program would send someone around in the van to pick up the leftover food at night, uh, whether it was the church community and people would have uh, events and they needed a donation. We were always there. And eventually, you know, rather than spending money, which we didn't really have in the beginning on a marketing uh, campaign and having a marketing budget where we were paying for paid advertisement, we spent a lot of time supporting charitable organizations, whether it was golf tournaments where uh, Jacob Green would have one that goes back. We uh, partnered with him for over 30 years until the pandemic, but his uh, funds and the proceeds benefited <clears throat> Cancer Research Society. Um, Max Strong, uh, <clears throat> the Kidney Foundation, and the Boys and Girls Club with Don James from the University of Washington. But through those uh, partnerships, we developed a following of loyal guests people that understood our core values and wanted to support us even more. And so it wasn't, you know, for that reason that we did it, it was because it was who we are, right? Mm -hmm. And so becoming, uh, and I'll give you an example. For our 25th anniversary, The theme was, as it takes a village to raise a kid, it takes a community to raise a business. And for the first 25 years of business, 
we had so many community partners that stepped up to help us through challenging times and be there for us from the very beginning, whether it was the neighbors around the, the corner in the neighborhood that would tell the kids, don't go over there and tag on these else building. Leave them boys alone. Let them do their business, you know? The, 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 the gang members that would drive up on the parking lot and say, okay, we'll let you have from 11 to 2 to make your money and we'll come back and hang out after 3, right? <laughs> but, you know, it was the banker. It was the CPA. It was the lawyer that helped us out when we couldn't afford to pay legal fees that did it pro bono. So we gave out 25 uh, what we call pillar awards. So we identified, and there was so many more that we could have given out, but we gave out about 25 what we call pillar awards to different organizations and individuals in the community that were there for us for those first 25 years. And it meant a lot to us. It wasn't about us and what we did. It was about what the community did for us. You, you know, re reading and look, looking at your site, it is amazing all of the community stories and, and what I and what I really got excited about was all the pictures that you include that help paint the picture right you you see the community in action you see the family working with the community and, and now it seems you you've even grown it and you've really taken the step forward and and I think there's a couple causes that I'd, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about. And one is is the initiative, which is outside of the restaurant business, which is the Northwest Tech, uh, Technology Quality Initiative and Generations United. I mean, totally outside the scope of, uh, of traditional hospitality relationships, but really trying to build that next generation. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about that and, and your engagement with those two groups? Well, you know, a couple of years ago, because of... Um, how we had grown from a business standpoint and how we had spread out here in the Northwest from the initial one, two, three locations that we had and the family primarily running the business to we've expanded now to over 15 units. We brought on a community specialist, community support specialist in Hazel. And we engaged her services to go out and find causes like those in the community for us to continue to support and add value to. Causes that where the values are aligned, where, you know, and so causes like that and others, we will continually support because we understand the value of them being successful and the value that they add to the communities that we serve and um, the communities that we're in. That that's terrific, and 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 I'm sure that investment just pays back to Azels um, more ways than than just the dollar and cents, but to the whole family, to to your team members, and, and to the growth. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's terrific to see and, and to read about. You know, uh, 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 many years ago now, you you got the opportunity to serve Oprah. And, uh, you know, when you have a celebrity opportunity, I think for our young listeners in the group, sometimes you get a, a little starstruck, right? Um, if, if, if Oprah's yeah, yeah. calling up, is it really Oprah? Can you tell us a little bit about having to uh, serve uh, Oprah and, and, and getting that chicken into her? 
Well, you know, um, that that call from Oprah came at a great time, actually. You know, um, she was in town. She was doing a, a program with King Five for kids. She was uh, putting together um, a production. And one of the guys on the production crew who I had an opportunity to meet some 36 years later <laughs> uh, this year at an event at the University of Washington. But um, he suggested that she try some Ezel's chicken. She was asking, where can we get some good food at? Where can I get some good? And this was the year that she went on the diet. So in November, I think it was, when they drove up on the parking lot. She stayed in the car. He came in. They grabbed chicken. She enjoyed it so much, she called and had it delivered on Saturday. And when she got back to Chicago, to Harper Studios, she boasted about the chicken that she had had up in Seattle so much that her business manager called up in February, January. She was going to have a birthday party for Oprah and include all of her favorite things the things that she went without while she was on the diet. And most would remember the time when Oprah went on the diet, right? She mm-hmm. ran the marathon. But um, instead of us uh, shipping the chicken back, we actually went back and cooked the chicken on site for Oprah. Wow. Yeah, we actually cooked the chicken on site. So it was an, it was an amazing opportunity to be able to sip champagne and eat chicken with Oprah in the green room on her birthday. Well, you, you know, and, and that really ties into the portability, right? Because yeah. you're so focused on the quality and the recipe that, as you said, you want to be a world-class brand. And here you are being able to pack up, get on a plane, go from Seattle to Chicago and, and give her that delicious chicken in, in, in Chicago. So it, it's true to your vision and mission uh, right off the bat. What other, as, as we look at, at wrapping up today, what other final um, or a couple thoughts on leadership um, that you've learned over the years that you could share with our listeners today? Well, I think one is when put in charge, take charge. It's not always easy. And providing leadership does not always mean being out in front. Sometimes you lead from the rear. But having a vision and staying true to the values, right, I think is just important. And setting expectations. And I've learned that the hardest expectation to meet is the one that was never established. So in a leadership role, it's so important that all of the team members clearly understand the expectations. Too many times people just make the assumption that everyone understands. hmm What's expected? No. And as we talk about creating a culture, great leaders, you know, the culture becomes the guiding force. Create a culture. Those are so, some really take-home points um, that, that you're making, Lewis. And, and I think before we close, you, you've, you've made a, a comment or two that I've seen that you're going to take over for the colonel. You're going to take uh, over those outposts? <laughs> oh, no, this, this one was not supposed to be released yet, but, you know, I, there's a saying that I've been repeating under my breath, and every once in a while, someone will hear it because I slip and say it out loud. It's, it's something like, you know, when General Ezell's come to town, the colonel will no longer take orders. He will be relieved from his command post. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I, I love it. Hey, you're setting the expectation and, and you're setting the goals. Yes. And with every show, we love we love to do a wrap up. And, you know, I, I've gotten so many nuggets on my my sheet here from our conversation. And and what I'm taking away from today's episode with my three key takeaways of the show is set the expectations. If you don't know what the expectations and your team doesn't know what the expectations are, they can't exceed the expectations. So be clear and set those expectations. Number two, you've got to have that vision, mission, and value statement. And as your example, it has transcended into a family organization because you read it, you believed in it, and you showcased it. And I think the third one is talking about the culture. And because you're so culture focused using that vision, mission, and value statement, it goes into being transparent and loyal. And and what you did by changing the conversation just on the website with the DoorDash fees has paid dividends. So I think setting those expectations, people knowing a clear vision, mission, and value and developing that culture because you did it with building the recipe. You, you, you created that found strong foundation of having fresh, good, fast food. You're able to build and grow and, and become that world-class operation that has gone all over the country, that's able to pick up and come to Chicago. And for 37 years, my friend, I congratulate you on your hard work, your effort, and how your family has come together and rallied um, together. Um, one other thing, so I'm going to give a fourth one for all those family businesses out there today. You know, Lewis did two great things that you should think about. One is sharing education and articles on family-owned and operated businesses so everybody has that perspective that you're not in in the canoe by yourself. And number two, having a strong group of outside advisors who can come to the table when things are, are hard or there's an emotional conflict and can help set it to straight because business is not emotional. Business business has uh, rules and, and obligations um, to the shareholders and to the investors and so forth. So food for thought here as, as we go to wrap up the show today. And I want to thank you, Lewis. I want to thank your family for building such a great chicken empire in the great Northwest. And I hope to come out and visit and eat some Azelle's. Where can people find out more information on Azelle's chicken? Of course, azelleschicken.com. Yeah, simple and Google Ezels. <laughs> there you go. Simple and easy. Find out the best chicken. And folks, this is life-changing chicken, not only for the quality, but what it's doing for our community up in the great Northwest. Lewis, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to meet you. I appreciate the listeners on the Takeout Delivery and Catering podcast. Till next time, have a great day, and let's go make the world a better place. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate you. Make sure to catch the show on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcast.